0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast.
1: And I'm Pete Wright, and
0: what do you think I would need to do to get on a threat pole? <laughs> uh, I don't think you want to know, but... Uh, Start yeah. climbing. Start climbing. Today, we are talking about Minute 70, which begins with Tony wondering why it's suddenly all about him, perhaps for the first time, and ends with not a team, but a chemical mixture. Back on the show, it's Kyle Olson. Hello, Kyle. I would have words with thee.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The Thor quote, by the way
0: this yeah they right this is that point in this conversation where uh everything is getting really heated and everybody is talking over each other i mean even in the script it's got the several lines of dialogue all being spoken next to each other at the same time so it's it's great to see how this plays out and how these lines come uh just quick note one of my favorite lines when tony throws out to steve they're talking about this uh you know natasha mentions there's a list where S.H.I.E.L.D. is monitoring potential threats. And Tony says to Steve, you're on that list? Are you above or below Angry Bees? <laughs> One of the best.
1: But, but equally, right after that, when you hear him in the background yelling, verbal threat, I feel threatened. You're right. It's just, I mean, it's pitch perfect.
2: Well, I, I think Tony's probably been in a fair amount of HR meetings. Yeah, right. Yes, right. for sure for sure this is this is
1: that peak Tignotaro like camera moving swinging around chaos dialogue that somehow still manages to work
0: yeah yeah absolutely um, this absolutely. is where
2: we're getting our inclination that there's something more going on here too because as you can see like it, it as we as we've seen it's been very traditional in terms of like one shot two shot just back and forth and now we go in full steady cam yeah as we drift in and out of people and it's and it's also getting a little bit twisty and turny too so it's not just like a straight up what's west wing walk and talk you know sort of going around it's like sort and then finally at the end then we get the big move and we got to kind of go
0: oh right
2: that's what's going on
0: yeah and so i do want to talk about that um so well, let's talk about that now. I guess the mindstone I'm assuming what we're saying. We don't know it's the Mind Stone. Of course, it's just the scepter. And the but question we do is, know. Did they know? Well, I I think they must have because it's you know they've already been plotting for the Infinity Saga, and so I'm assuming that they did. Uh, my question, though, is in the context of the story, it was the scepter. It was the tool that Loki uses to control people's minds. We've seen him doing that several times in the film. And so, I guess our assumption is, oh, it's the scepter it he it, they control minds with it, and something is there's a mind thing happening here. Does it make sense that that this thing is doing this to all of these people? Does it seem like it's doing it by itself? Are we meant to think that somehow Loki is controlling it and making it do this? Like how do you read what's happening
2: my My impression had always been that it's Loki doing this that I, I, I don't think that he knows that it's the Mind Stone because I don't think Thanos would trust him enough to give him an Infinity Stone. He says, no, I have a Mind Staff for you. Yeah. You know, because obviously he has one of the most valuable things in the universe. He's just given it to Loki.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, like, you don't, te- you don't tell Loki <laughs> what it is you have. Because, I mean, and Loki, the, we see, doesn't really use it kind of the, how, how it can be used. He has to do the, the Tappy thing. But I think he knows that there are other powers to it as well. And I think part of it is just like him just putting out waves of paranoia, of fear, of, you know, it's like from and I think it's the proximity of it, too. Like he's Mm -hmm. just down the hall. uh, And so he's still like, you know, concentrating and doing that. I actually almost I almost kind of wish they would like cut to a shot of him in the cell, just like sitting. And then you could kind of go, yeah, but maybe that's too obvious.
1: Well, I feel like it's maybe not obvious enough, because I do think there is a read on this scene where you could kind of see them having just escalated themselves. Like there's something else going on in the scepter, but it's not impacting them. They're just human. Uh, You know, uh, or I should say human and Thor. And they are just exuding their own natural fear, anxiety and anger with each other and and escalating. Meanwhile, we we do that incredible uh, inverse shot uh, to indicate that we're transitioning now from bickering humans to some other bit of malfeasance to come and and so i i don't know like i i honestly from view to view i go back and forth i i'm sort of leaning at this point toward maybe we're just messy and not being controlled
0: i think there is an element to that and uh, you know whether loki is controlling them or not it you have to imagine that the way that the plan that loki and clint had put together was i will let myself get captured you know you will steal the iridium you'll take that to eric and you'll get to where you need to go we need to get we need to release the hulk and we need to kind of get the team involved in all of this so i will let myself get captured and they will get the scepter and whether I have it or not, and maybe this, maybe the filmmakers left it loose because they're like, we don't think it really matters. Whether Loki ends up having it or not, it is a tool that somehow ends up kind of playing with their minds and, and pushing them into a place where they lead into this very contentious conversation here as they're all arguing with one another and pushing to a place where you know things are going to be getting worse. While at the same time, you know, Loki and Clint know that this is something that we are able to track because of the gamma that it puts off. We're going to be tracking it as our tool to find where you are, Loki, and we'll come up there and we'll get you and the staff and get everything set off as far as like, you know, taking down the Avengers, what we need to do. So, I don't know. I guess I guess that's kind of my sense of all of it. Like, I don't know how much it matters, but I do think there is some messiness in the construction. It does kind of bug me. But at the same time, I just end up walking away like, well, I guess whether Loki's doing it or the Mind Stone's doing it one way or another, they're not powerful enough to fight off some whatever it is that that thing's doing
2: yeah i think it's i think it's very clear that there is something going on not only that thing but like in the next minute there's something that's very very clear and then i think in minute 73 which i unfortunately would not be here for there's something that's very obvious that just shows there's something weird going on yeah uh beyond just them getting angry with each other
0: yeah it's the whole thing is very interesting to kind of see how it plays out and um it is frustrating because i do I just there are points where I wish that they found ways to kind of be a little more clear about the mindstone elements of it at this point without making it blue, you know, things like that. But, you know, in in I know it's always a challenge putting these sorts of stories together and they had to come up with some way to kind of say, oh, the Tesseract and this scepter there's a connection between them and the Tesseract. If you use the Scepter in one place and the Tesseract in the other, you can. there's a way that they can communicate, we can open up this portal so Loki can get here. Like, they needed to come up with something, and so by making it blue, it just seemed like there's this natural connection between them that made all of that probably, from a writer's perspective, much easier to just kind of write off, as it were.
2: Yeah, and uh, speaking of writing, this is some of the best that Thor has been written thor thor has a couple of great lines that like this is like his he has, i would say was not terribly well written for in his first two movies uh, um well but uh, here i think he has a a really good line uh for um let's see i, I thought you i thought humans were more evolved than this and then <laughs> you treat your champions with such mistrust it's like well that's really good that's really good
0: as, as somebody who talked a lot about the the Thor film over that season i i say i i really liked his the way that he was written more in that film than in this film i i feel i mean really? this scene's fine like the, those lines that you point out specifically i think are great lines but uh and we talked about this back when thor and loki were having their conversation in the th- in the forest that scene just felt like they were trying too hard to come up with lines that felt more grand and shakespearean than uh yeah. than they
2: had i mean when you look at that and then you look at get help and you kind of go
0: yeah same guys don't think same guys. <laughs> it to the same <laughs> amount of time like <laughs> exactly exactly but to your point here i do like his lines through this whole thing i like what he's saying here uh, uh pete what do you think i mean how does how does thor play for you here
1: well i'm uh fine i i i really think thor is is uh, is great. And I, I actually, I'm, I'm sort of on, I, I think I'm, I'm probably between you guys on, on uh, Thor's treatment uh, and, and just his straight up dialogue here. It, it it's great. And then it kinda, it kinda crumbles when we get to the latest uh, Thor movie. And so I'm, <laughs> we're, we're easing toward what I think is kind of peak comedic Thor. I, I, I think we're, I think this is on target for kind of my Thor. I don't think the Thor movie was really the first Thor movie was really my Thor. Uh, The next Thor movie is not my Thor. Ragnarok is more my Thor. I really enjoy that sense of of humor and what they give to this. They sort of lean into the absurdity. So uh, and then it then that next movie kind of falls apart. This is is the Thor that I want when he is with the Avengers. Yeah. And and I, I think they I think they nailed that part for me. So um, I, I don't know that I I didn't necessarily I don't think I didn't like the original Thor. But this is we're easing into them in, in my view, figuring out who the hell Thor is in movies. Right. That makes him interesting and believable
0: it is interesting though and I, I do wonder if there's an element to the the realization that marvel audiences really do enjoy the comedic takes on characters as opposed to like the dc audiences who uh, seem to enjoy the much more um darker versions of of their characters but over the course of these of, of kind of the next few films you definitely watch and we just talked about this with hulk hulk definitely moves from kind of this scarier version that we have in this film to, you know, he starts going a little more funny and it's, uh, you know, they, they play into that same thing with Thor. Like they're really going to be playing into kind of the comedic sides of a lot of the characters over the, over the course of the franchise. And I do wonder if there's something that, um, that we kind of lose by, by kind of pushing everybody to kind of that comedic bent that they're all seeming to have.
2: That's true. I, I think a part of it is, is, as you've seen in all these different franchises, you guys who have studied people from series, is that the longer a person plays the role, the more the role becomes what they're like. Yeah,
1: that's a really good point.
2: You know, it's like it, it sort of evolves to, to become like more what the individual actor is as opposed to what the character was. And I think Thor it, is the one that changes the most over the course of it, because I feel coming out of the gate... Um, Robert Downey Jr. had a really strong take on on Iron uh, Man, yeah, t- yeah, Iron Man on, on on Tony, like as just basically like he. This is what he wanted to do. It was which was pretty kind of uh, off center from where Tony had been at, written in the comics, where he was always like you know more charming playboy, like hey, how's it going? Like a very George Clooney sort of like yeah, you know. And this one playing the sort of this, this manic energy kind of thing was was very Robert Downey Jr. now. Now the comic book version sounds like Robert Downey Jr. Where I feel like in the Thor, like over the course of things, Chris Hemsworth was probably the greenest of all the people in this room, um, and really, really, uh, his. I, and I, I was say I, I when I did uh, Road to Infinity, where I was watching all of these uh, in, in anticipation of uh, Infinity where I watched them all like once a week. Essentially, it was a Marvel movie a movie a week. Seeing the evolution of Chris Hemsworth talent is pretty astounding. When you watch these, like, uh, in the, like he, like he, <laughs> he, he, like is really green in Thor, and by the time you get to where he's, like, where he's at in Thor Ragnarok, i like, you have seen an amazing transformation where he understands the game, gets it, and then becomes a master of it. It's pretty, it's pretty astounding.
1: Well, and 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 I would add just interesting that to to your point the uh limitless documentary series that he does with um D-
0: disney plus
2: national geographic it's, it's on disney plus but i think it's the national geographic
1: yeah it's on disney plus uh yeah w- w- right and, and uh uh that is essentially thor doing his health regimen <laughs> <laughs> right like yeah, it's right. it's like chris hemsworth figured out thor and you know what kind of thor figured out chris hemsworth
0: hmm. <laughs> yeah he I- I mean, I do, I do like him and, you know, he doesn't get as much to say as like, you know, Steve and Tony in this bickering bit, but uh, he is great. And you're, you're right. Like Chris Hemsworth definitely gets the opportunity to kind of continue exploring this and really finding a way to own it by the time we get to Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. But,
2: but, I, but right? I still agree with you, Pete. By the time we get to Thor 11 Thunder, it's like,
0: okay. It's, oh, too <laughs> much. Yeah. Too much. Too much over now, yeah. over I mean, the top. Now we need to pull back. Yeah, exactly. Pull So, all right, what else uh, in this conversation do we want to talk about? Because everybody's pretty much bickering here. Captain America's on the threat list. Uh, Everybody's kind of fighting. Fury's concerned. Well,
2: we need to talk about the most important Avenger, of course. Hawkeye! (laughs) Well, okay.
0: Well, yeah, I just wanted to see if there's anything else in this conversation first. But, yeah, we we do cut to—this is right after— the this fantastic camera move where the camera like jib it's on a jib arm and it just goes up and over the scepter coming over and and putting everybody on their heads and it's just an incredible it's almost like the world's turned
2: upside down
0: almost as if almost as if and what's interesting in this next cut that we get to i I, again i'm assuming i don't know where clint got a quinjet but apparently he did (laughs) and they were at a base we cut uh, yeah. They they cut to the screen inside and wait, and sorry,
2: is that what you want to do your one what if episode about?
0: <laughs> right. like You like, like,
2: only get to do one. You're like, I want to do the episode where Hawkeye attacks a a small shield base and steals a quinjet.
1: It steals a quinjet.
2: <laughs> and you know who's guarding it?
0: Another oh. shield agent. That's right. That's right. <laughs> No, my my what I do think is we're funny. We're just gonna get it washed. It's like stripes.
2: <laughs> like they're just gonna. However, however, I've just convinced myself now. I, I do want to write that episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you totally should. Yeah,
1: uh, I do love the cut though because the we're yeah. upside down. Of the scepter, and then the
0: scepter on the, on the yeah, sensor. The yeah. Scepter on screen. Yeah. But why is the scepter on their screen upside down too? Because it has to match the jib shot, Andy. Duh. Is it? It's upside down. I thought, actually,
2: I, actually, I, when I watched it, I thought it wasn't, and it really bothered me. I was like, oh, I wish it would have been upside no. down. No,
1: it's absolutely, it's, it strikes me every time how well-planned that graphic is.
0: It's. I mean, it is designed exactly for the audience, so that we see... Match cut. We're seeing the scepter upside down, and we cut to the screen, and it's showing the scepter positioned exactly as we were just looking at it. But, yeah, why is their image of it... Upside down, I have no idea. It's it. It's one of those irritants that's purely designed for cinematic purposes because we do want that fantastic match cut.
1: But Andy, who defines right side up, <laughs> upside down? It's just a construct, <laughs> sides and ups and downs. You know, the it's globe
2: construct, like, could have like America on the space. bottom, man, and it would right. be just as valid in the universe. It's, it's all because <laughs> of
0: your neo-Western perspective. That's right. right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, Now, we are in this Quinjet, we're seeing these pilots flying up, and this is very much, you know, a typical uh, moment where you have a, a plane... Arriving or a, a vehicle of some sort arriving and you have the conversation between the people inside and the people outside. The intercom voice is wondering about why Transport 6650. They're trying to get their information. And although it's much easier than in things like Star Wars, the pilot just says arms to ammunition. And they're like, OK, then you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bullets.
2: Great. Come on, yeah, board.
0: I I guess <laughs> you knew where film, we were, sir, but I was so to let we'll let you come in. Uh, th- but this is also a moment uh you know just uh kyle your take on the cloaking because we do get a sense of how the cloaking i guess i guess what we're meant to read is mainly from this particular shot this is the one that really kind of gives us a sense as to what we're supposed to be seeing it as where when you're directly underneath it's completely invisible as you as you come up to its height suddenly it's now visible so the 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 invisibility, the cloaking, only works if you're below it, I guess, is what we're supposed to read.
2: Yes. In which case, you'd be in its gigantic shadow. Yeah. Right? Because the sun would shine down, and th- it's still blocking it. <laughs> See, it like, that's what, how yeah. light works.
0: It, it, like, it's the hell eclipse. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's like, a,
2: like, this is a really
0: terrible, terrible
2: stealth method.
0: It's, well, yeah, what if a plane is flying by? They're going to see, like, yeah. why? Also, there are satellites yeah, half that the ship? look down exactly. <laughs>
2: that could see it exactly where it is, because it's not cloaked on top. Uh, All right. It's, yeah, it's it's it doesn't make any sense at all. It's very frustrating. But maybe they're running in whisper mode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're giant fans, that You could hear that it from... Is. <sighs> Uh, (laughs) Oh, you just connected Blue Thunder to the
1: Marvel Cinematic Universe, (laughs) and I am here for it, Jaffo.
0: (laughs) Oh, but to your point, Kyle, we do cut inside. We see a bunch of people getting ready for battle, including Clint Barton with his uh, magical blue eyes. Are we supposed (laughs) to
2: recognize these people?
0: no okay they are they are people you know we do hear in a deleted scene that they got all these people like i didn't know this many people were you know out to get shield because we're like why do they have all these people okay they're just people who who don't like shield is the way that the deleted scene kind of paints them all shields enemies uh but yes hawkeye we have a little bit of him here. Um, when we were talking Thor, I can't remember what minutes you had. I don't was uh, it wasn't anything involving the hamster, the hamster cage, and Clint's appearance there. No, so I don't this think is so. really your first opportunity to talk about Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton. What do you think?
2: Uh, not a fan, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, not a fan. Uh, well, okay. So uh, so nothing against Jeremy Renner, obviously. At the time of recording, uh, Jeremy Renner is fine. He has he was injured. He uh, he has fully recovered, or he's in recovery, I should say. He's doing okay. So, like nothing I say that not as nice to him. My problem isn't with Jeremy Renner. My problem is with this is not Hawkeye, and so I'm representing my friend Kim here. Who this is this is the hill she will die on. Um, I don't know who this guy is, uh, but this is not Hawkeye because uh, Hawkeye. Is very 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 different. The only difference thing that's the same between them is they both shoot arrows. Okay, so how is he different? How is he different? Sell that perspective. A Hawkeye is a loudmouth. He is uh, he is like like Oliver Queen. He is in Cap's face all the time. He is like you're a fascist. You're, <laughs> like, you're like you're like you're you're a tool of the machine. He is anti-establishment. He is. Uh, intense uh, like he he shoots his mouth off all the time he also runs off half cocked all the time he is a terrible planner he gets himself in trouble all the time he is terrible at relationships he like he is like basically he can never get it together he's you know like in, in, when they do the in the comic series with uh matt fraction he's basically uh jim rockford like he's just constantly getting knocked down like cuz he really is the guy with arrows running around with space gods he has no reason he should be there uh, so he so but yeah he, uh, he is he is ex- he has an extremely strong personality where he is like will not let anything go if he thinks that someone is being exploited or is is set out of line he will get up in the face of anyone and, yell, and and yell them down if he thinks that they're out of line and like this guy is taciturn And serious and quiet and, uh, like, a loving family man and, like, completely different than Hawkeye. Now, uh, uh, don't worry, fans, I'm coming back around to this. He is similar to the character that he was in The Ultimates. He's much more like that Hawkeye.
0: Which is where they got a lot of these characters from.
2: But that Hawkeye was was a, was a jerk. <laughs> that guy was <laughs> awful, uh, and also yeah, his family entirely slaughtered. So if that's what we're following, then that farmhouse is going to be bathed in blood before we seen the end of Hawkeye. Oh, um, so hopefully <laughs> that's not the times. case. That, but yeah, that guy was a dick too. Not as big of a dick as two. Ultimate Captain America, <laughs> uh, but that's another story. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's my main problem. Is this is every time I see him, I'm like, that's just not Hawkeye. And even the whole series, which I enjoyed, they're playing the beats of the Matt Fraction story with a person with a different personality and history, and it that's why that series doesn't quite work. It's good, but it doesn't quite work because the personality is what drove that story, and it's a different person doing it. This like this very stoic, serious kind of thing. And I also feel bad for Jerry Renner in this, in that it's his first time playing this outside of the one scene in Thor. And he has to play it mind controlled the whole time.
0: I know it's so frustrating.
2: So nothing gets nothing gets Jeremy Renner. I, 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 it's more against uh, uh, Tig. This is my biggest complaint of this movie: is, is is Hawkeye. That's interesting.
0: I like Hawkeye too, and it's it's frustrating this uh, this take on him that we end up getting here, and it's it's kind of a drag that this is the direction that they that they go. Uh, it'll I, I I'm less a fan than your friend obviously uh but i so i don't end up having as much a problem like once once he is out of the mind control space you know i i'm a lot better with him like i i love jeremy renner i think he's i yeah.
2: agree and I, I think they they found a way to use him in the battle which was brilliant
0: yeah yeah absolutely I'm happy with that. and and over the course of the franchise like yeah we we still get that in here but yeah i it is it is frustrating
1: well it's really frustrating because i and I you know I was i i'm a fan of the new of the new Hawkeye run the purple Hawkeye run right and and I really like it, and I realize as we 're talking about this that I guess i'm frustrated by the whole thing too, but i've been so much more frustrated by the crappy treatment of baking him under mind control for the most of the duration of this movie that i I haven 't ever really reflected on the actual adaptation of the original character. Uh, I totally see that. I can see how that that's frustrating for the for the Uber fans.
2: Uh, that's the thing is 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 it's sort of like there are characters like this that you could bring in and do this. There are characters with this sort of like serious. If you want to have the military, soldiery kind of. You know, super spy kind of stuff. There are characters you can bring in and do this with. I, I, it always drives me crazy in all these movies when they take a character and completely change their personality, but give them the same name and the same powers and stuff too, because they they're gonna do it again and they're gonna do, and it's gonna drive me yeah. crazy then too. When we do Guardians of the Galaxy two, it's gonna it drives me just as crazy. But it's like it's well, the same kind of thing. Widow, it's like, why I mean, yeah, are you changing them so much?
0: Like, yeah, they'll, they'll keep, use a different character or that. make someone up, right? Right, you've got you've got plenty of space to do that. So
2: exactly, like I mean, the thing with all these things, there are slight variations and stuff too, and that's fine. Like I don't have a problem with anybody else on this roster. Like the, even though they're, they're slightly different, that's fine. It's the the th- uh, for me, Hawkeye is the complete different enough he's, he's just a completely different person.
0: Well, here's a question for you uh since you have read the comics and you you have a lot of knowledge from various um histories as far as who's been on the team, but if you could have your pick of Avengers as far as like making your own Avengers team, who would you have on it? Or for like at this point, if you were to see, yeah, if you were to say I would love to see this group as the Avengers. Wait,
2: so, like, like if, I, Regardless, if, I, if I got a chance to write the Avengers comic now, or do you mean if I was doing this movie?
0: Because there's different... Either way. I mean, however however, however I don't, I don't you want, want to I don't, I don't want to like,
2: monopolize the entire episode of just talking about my, my fan roster. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, want to, I just want to get our parameters down before I start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not thought about this, so this will be all, all, all off the top of my head. Well, let's start with the films. Okay. Alright, so, I mean, uh, the, the, the films you, you kind of want to have... There, there's a lot of good people out there who are not great in terms of like cinematically there are interesting personalities but not really great in there like that's why even i feel like hawkeye was a weird choice because it's really hard to portray an archer when you've got vibranium shields flying around and lightning coming from the sky <laughs> yeah
1: um
2: right uh so i mean i guess if we're sticking with like people who have been avengers or are off the thing um that uh, you the now what has become their new holy trinity i think you have uh a thor even though there's been several of them, uh, and then a Captain America and a Iron Man type. But it'd be interesting to sort of like shake up some of those things to have like Beta Ray Bill or someone who's like a little bit even more alien. So you still have a Thor, so you still have that level thing, but then someone who's like looks alien and feels alien, but still has the God of Thunder sort of powers. Um, so for your Captain America, I mean, straight up Steve is, is fine, but I would really go Captain Carter. Because Captain Carter is, you know, like the, we've seen the multiversal thing. She got to have one kind of nice moment uh, and then uh, to sort of, you know, if you
0: go. Don't going, get me started you know, on that movie, too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're going fully multiversal. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: You know, and, to, and to have, uh, uh, I mean, and and then just uh, pretty much straight up just, you know, Tony Stark, Iron Man. Like, I mean, it, it's sort of like as the sort of the stalwart to just sort of like, I don't really quite know either of you. Uh, You know, to sort of have that, you have already uh, them at odds, you know, have that sort of trust. Um, but I, I really, one of my favorite things is sort of the Hawkeye thing of like, I like a person who is a little bit out of place too. So, I mean, I really like having Hawkeye with Mockingbird. Mockingbird is a person they've, they used a little bit in shield, but never really got her due and now probably never will, um. So they, they kind of you know, burned that car, but she was a great foil for because she was also a super spy, also highly trained um, and and could do a lot of stuff, but much more competent. so she was a little bit more like what Natasha is here, except that you could trust her, like she was not as duplicitous, like having them as sort of your regular people uh, doing that and then for heavy hitters, I guess I would probably bring in Ben Grimm, the thing. Like, why Uh, does it have to be the Hulk? Like, you have a guy who's just a regular, he's a, he's a, what, uh, a mensch. Like, he's a solid dude. Like, he's just a good guy to have around. You can trust him. Like, he's, he's he's always going to show up. He's always going to be there. Like, you know he's, but he's
1: not without he's not without his interpersonal demons
2: either like he's not without his grief exactly yeah but his interpersonal demons he keeps them internally yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly he doesn't
2: take his rage out <laughs> on the rest of the world
1: like every good stone should
2: right <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
2: i think that's that's a good squad i think right
0: there yeah oh i think so i think so absolutely i love it uh, you know i think you know we've had some interesting responses to that my one of my favorites is still uh, the inclusion of blade with Kid thing on his back, yeah.
2: Which, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, kid, yeah. It's a man which, thing. It's kid thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Josh like, yeah. Darren is. You could tell he was just having the blast writing those yeah. comics. Like, just like you know what? Why not Blade?
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Very yeah. funny. Very. Yeah. Funny. I mean,
2: I I love I love uh, his version of Ghost Rider was fantastic. Like the idea that you take it from just like oh, it's a guy with a car. Like no, no, he's the writer. He can ride yeah. anything. <laughs> anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. boy, <laughs> but he he just, he'd get into that. He piloted a Celestial. That's right. right? He, he, like, no, he ghost rode a Celestial. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know he was just cackling with delight when he was riding that. Oh,
0: no kidding. Also, I have met funny. Jason
2: Aaron. He is as solid and awesome of a dude as you would like. Ugh. He's a great guy. So if you ever get a chance to meet him at a con, he looks, he looks like a bouncer at a biker bar. But he is uh, one of the nicest people I've ever uh, had the chance to go up and, and and gush over. Oh, that's cool!
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, I think let's wrap it up for today with minute seventy. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about. No, we'll be back next week to talk about minute seventy-one. Um, so, Kyle, tell everybody about uh, where they can track down what you're up to out there on the interwebs. Sure,
2: uh, you can uh, you can check out uh, the Curiosity Codex. It is uh, currently on hiatus. However, there's some good stuff there. I got to talk to filmmaker Mandy Fabian about her film Jess Plus None, which just had its world premiere in uh, the jolly old London, uh, and and had a, apparently had a great, great response. So um, I'm hoping to get to talk to her about that soon. So that means we'll be uh, coming back in there. But in the meantime, you can there's like 15 episodes, or whatever, where she goes into complete detail about what it takes to actually make an independent film and do it during COVID. So uh, it's uh, it's quite a tale. spoiler. It's hard. Yeah, and so yeah. Like it's coming to the end of that <laughs> awesome. so that story now too. So hopefully we'll get to put yeah. a final uh a final chapter uh, on the end of it. But in the meantime, you can check it out. Good stuff.
0: Yep. Awesome. We'll have the link in the show notes. Everybody, check that show out. It's a good one. And that's it for today. We'll be back uh, for minute seventy one. So Pete, thanks as always.
1: Next week, Andy, arms to ammunition.
0: <laughs> Until next time, true believers.
2: Upset.